everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brem. And now we are moving on to another iconic scene. I mean, this is just peak Titanic, these scenes. I mean, we're talking flying, and now we're talking the drawing. This is the reason I couldn't watch the movie back then. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the reason a lot of people... This is just this scene. Like, to this day, you hear people talking about the movie, and it's like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll just fast forward that part. <laughs> yeah. It's just the part. Yeah. Because my parents wanted me to see it, and then they were going to see it first to make sure, you know? Yeah. And then uh, they went to see it, and they're like, yeah, you can't watch it. Okay, cool. See, remember I told you that's what my mom said. Yeah, I remember. I remember my friends were allowed to see it, and then I, I was like, oh yeah, I can't see it because uh, you know the nudity, and then they're all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I know. God. I feel like a lot of people say this was like the first nude person they ever saw was in Titanic. Yeah, well, it's a PG thirteen movie too, which is kind of weird. Yeah, because I don't think that would fly nowadays. At least not because they kind of linger on it for a, a minute. I mean. Mm. It's not just, like, just the painting or, like, just, like, real quick. Like, mm-hmm. they go back to it a couple times. <laughs> like, it's, like, how is this PG-13? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's, um, I think I've, ta- I've talked and wondered about that before. I think it's, like, James Cameron probably got it passed off as art. Art, and, yeah, artistic. And that's being tasteful. Because it is, though. Like, and we'll get into that. I, I think. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. As tasteful yeah. as it can be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because he doesn't, like, it doesn't turn into, like, a love scene. It just is that, I guess, you know? I mean, eventually, but not in that moment. Yes. <laughs> Before we get into it, have an email I want to read here. This one is from Arthur. And they say, Hey, y'all, just wanted to say thank you so much for creating this amazing podcast about the single best film in history. My journey with Titanic started in seventh grade when my teacher asked us to write an essay on some choice subjects she had. I decided to go with the one about the sinking ship. (laughs) From there, my love and obsession with Titanic started. I remember taking my girlfriend, now my wife, to the opening night of the film. I've never been so immersed with a movie and so speechless afterward. I really loved the story of Jack and Rose, but the Titanic herself was the star in my eyes. Over the years, I've read and studied Titanic and her passengers, and of course, watched every documentary. I have also visited multiple exhibitions and could never get tired of it. I'm excited to see people like yourselves that have the same love and interest. Because of that, Titanic's legacy will never be forgotten. But enough rambling. My favorite scene of the entire film is just after the sinking when the survivors are just floating around waiting for anyone to help. This moment makes you realize that wealth and status means nothing. The part when Cal takes a sip from the flask that a total stranger hands him and looks to be grateful for it cements that fact for me. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Arthur. Nice. It's crazy. Thank you, Arthur. Thanks, man. It's just so nice to hear the passion from so many other people. Yeah, yeah. And that's so cool, too, that, like, he took his girlfriend, who's now his wife, to see the movie. Mm -hmm. All these amazing uh, connections and memories people have through this movie. I guess that's what happens when a movie's that big. (laughs) Everyone has some sort of story to do with it. And I remember that later scene he's talking about with Cal and uh, mm-hmm. just it's kind of like, yeah, it is kind of like a weird, you know, it's like this biggest tragedy. And then you you, you kind of have to just humble yourself. Like, yeah, I, as big as I think I am, I'm not Im- immortal, you know? Yeah. yeah. No. 
It's crazy. But yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, it's interesting how the obsession can be sparked from like anything really, right? Like for him, it was this school paper that you had to write from like a few subjects they already had. And he's like, yeah, I'll do the sinking ship. Yeah, that one everyone talks about. (laughs) And then it's like, oops, now I'm obsessed. (laughs) I don't know how that, but that's how it happens. That's how it happened with my cousin, whose name is Jack actually, uh, but named after my grandfather. Um, But yeah, he had to get a pick like he had to pick out a library book at school mm. and he just gravitated towards a book on the Titanic and now he's obsessed with Titanic and he's mm. nine. Oh wow. And he got obsessed with it when he was like seven. Has he seen the movie? He finally saw the movie just last year because his his mother and father wouldn't let him see it either. Yeah, but of he was like me. He was hounding them like I guess like I wanna watch the movie. I know it exists. Make an exception. I think his mom like wasn't sure what he would think of the love story and everything but he ended up really liking jack and rose he started off being more interested in the history so then i was like ah man what's he gonna think when he sees the movie now yeah but yeah but he liked it really that's what makes it good like it's 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 rooted in the history of the movie right Mm -hmm. so it's like even people who are into the titanic for the titanic can really come away being like i feel like more immersed in the tragedy even though it was definitely about these people, it's also about the ship too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that actually reminds me. There's another quote in this um, Titanic Anatomy of a Blockbuster book um, that says, while the love story translates the disaster into human terms, the disaster gives the couple's love a mythical dimension. Yeah. Um, and I and like yeah I highlighted that because I was like I was like exactly I'm like totally that's like kind of the give and take between the love story and the disaster that line of the love story and you know translating the disaster into human terms or something mm-hmm. like that's totally what it does and I know and I know we've kind of touched upon this too but like you could, like a lesser filmmaker would have just been like oh let's just use the Titanic as the setting and like you mm-hmm. know make it sink like everyone knows it sinks. But, like, James Cameron really studied, and you could tell he loved the Titanic first, mm-hmm. and then was trying to find a way to make the the tragedy work on, oh, on yeah. the big screen. With When you start like that, mm-hmm. then you actually give people, like, a more realistic interpretation, instead of just exploiting the tragedy for the sake of, you know, drama or, or, or whatever disaster. I mean, there are still know. people who think he did that. But he didn't, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's impossible to think that he did. Just the yeah. amount of he's he's very meticulous in every detail that he puts in, and and like the history, and like he made sure everything was down to a T. And then, I mean, for the time, I mean, now, yeah, of course, there are like, like he, yeah, they know things more. There are inaccuracies now, and there are like a few things that even back then weren't, yeah, actually accurate. But he said like, hey, I'm gonna do this anyway. <laughs> yeah, but he did most mostly everything he could. To make, I mean, the major details. I yeah. mean, obviously, like the we talk about the Picasso thing. It's like, mm-hmm. but like as far as the Titanic goes, he did almost everything he could to 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 give it its um its due respect. I think, and to some res- like degree, with the way we are today, like in order to like get things through our heads, sometimes we need to see it depicted in front of us. Yeah, the way these awful things were mm-hmm. sometimes you know what i mean yeah. like it's one thing to just be like oh yeah like titanic sank that's so sad yeah or like yeah what a tragedy like you look at it as like a picture in a book or you look at it as just words on a page yeah or something and that's it but like to actually see it play out on screen the way it does and you know we've talked about it before like 
getting to see the ship in all its glory and then seeing the devastation of it sinking and, you know, getting to know characters and their journey and just being a fly on the wall throughout this whole journey and disaster, it does make you appreciate and understand the tragedy more. Like, And, and that's what the best movies do. They immerse you in this tragedy instead of just, like, the best, like, look at war movies. The best war movies are the ones that make you, that immerse you into that tragedy and like the the just how the I don't know if you saw 1917 the movie that just came Not out yet. last oh my gosh one of the best war movies i've ever seen mostly because of how much it immerses you into this this terrible War. I mean, it's not the bloodiest war movie. And it's not the like most uh, like visceral as far as like the violence, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty violent. Like it's more minimalistic, but it's so um, like it it really puts you there in into this these two people's world. What did you think of Dunkirk? Um, I thought it was slightly confusing and boring. Like they kind of got wrapped up into like the uh, like the minutia of war, you know, and like. But that's why I thought 1917 did like better because it's a simple super simple story it's like saving private ryan i don't know if you've seen that it's mm-hmm. so simple you save the guy and that's the whole point of the movie and the same type of thing with this 1917 movie it's like they just have to deliver a message and the message is simple just it's you're you're going into a trap don't go in that's it and the mm-hmm. whole movie is just <laughs> them trying to get there and it's a one shot so you see everything that they go through and it really makes you feel like this journey they're going through and you see that like the distance you can lay it out in your head and it's really good mm-hmm. whereas Dunkirk they don't really attach to characters as much exactly and so it's hard to re- it's hard to connect to it it's well done technically mm-hmm. really well done technically actually but as far as um, it's more concerned I think with the story and like tying everything together than it is with developing these characters I'm glad you said that because I, you know, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh no, Dunkirk is, is exactly the way I want a war movie to be. None of this mm-hmm. getting attached to fictional characters or whatever stuff. Like, well, let's just look at the war. And I'm like, okay. But I'm just yeah. like, but that's what it felt like to me. I felt like I was just watching a war yeah. play out in front of me. And, and that's fine if you're a war nerd, you know, if you're into that stuff and you already know the details and you just want to like watch what you think happened or what, what probably happened. But for people who aren't into that stuff and you want to get people invested and you mm-hmm. want to get other people who aren't familiar with it to be interested in it or have like a newfound love for for like uh, like these old battles, that's not the way to go about it. You need to kind of use these people as vessels for getting people invested. Exactly. That's what and that's what James Cameron understood. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I wanted to like Dunkirk, but like I felt it just felt so cold and disconnected to me. Yeah. But like I really wanted to be able to connect with people. Yeah. Um, and they were trying to do more of a, you know, an ensemble thing. It's like, like small heroes. Like you do the little things and you get the job done and it, it makes a big impact, but no one knows that it's you. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that, that part of it's commendable, but. I totally get it. And I get that some people, I guess, would like that. But I know for me and probably the average person, you just kind of want, you're kind of just like craving to connect. Yeah. Um, because I know there are a lot of people that talk about Titanic saying that they wish it was like Dunkirk. Oh my gosh, that's a different movie then. Like, make a different movie. Like, Don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I haven't seen people directly say that, but I know that's what they mean. Like, I, like there's an edit on YouTube or something with all of the Jack and Rose scenes cut out. I was going to say, yeah, then just watch that. Like, if that's basically it. Yeah, but it's so funny because, like, I tried watching it, and it was weird. Because, I mean, I mean, well, probably just because... 
obviously I know Titanic as it is like the back of my hand yeah. you know so seeing it without them was just weird yeah. and, it, and it was just weird to me because I was like you really kind of do feel like you're missing this like a really human thing about it well and even tons of the Rose voiceover is talking about how she felt of the ship or how people viewed the ship you know like China had never been used like all this stuff she's building this Mm -hmm. world that just watching it you can't get that yeah you need to hear what people felt like what people smelled what people heard what people saw Mm -hmm. um what it meant to them what it meant to them yeah exactly like oh man like this beautiful ship and then it goes down and like within that context I think that those just seeing the disaster and just watching the scenes on the ship by themselves isolated Mm -hmm. you can't it doesn't mean anything without that context exactly it's just interesting because yeah they cut out this one version I saw cuts out the entire frame story and it just basically starts yeah with that shot of to going into 1912 and I was just like this feels so empty like it just feels like you're missing something really important like I like I mean I guess I can get why some people just want nothing to do with any fictional element but it's just sort of like for the movie you know as what it was and what it was trying to accomplish and like you you don't want to watch a movie you at that point you just want to watch footage yeah and like one of those versions uh they like in the sinking sequence they edited out every single line from Jack and Rose and so when the ship is going down you're just watching a ship go down yeah like you know what I mean you're not you're not getting like Rose is like oh god oh god like you know what I mean like her like actually like connecting with someone who's going down on the ship you're just watching people screaming and going down on a ship and I'm like That, that that's like a disconnect like you need like at least one little thing in there because ultimately what makes this so much what makes people love the titanic is the stories behind it and the people who actually went through it like mm-hmm. if you don't have the if it was just a ship going down with nobody on it like <laughs> who cares right i mean with nobody on really, it like, like just a ship you know what i mean like in order to be connect to this tragedy you have to think about you have, have to at least be conscious of the people it's like war mm-hmm. people are into war because i mean some people are into the politics behind it but they're into war because of the people who went through it and all the, like the history and how it affected everybody and if mm. you don't have depth and you don't follow a character then what then it doesn't you can't see how it affected anybody so getting into the drawing um <laughs> Yeah, back on That task. was our Dunkirk segment, segment. I know, but hey, it made a point. It connected. But watch 1917. It's a good It's a good war movie, I think. No, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely check it out. I know my mom wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, the drawing. So, we ended with Rose saying that was the last time Titanic ever saw daylight after the flying scene. And now Brock and... Uh, well, this is where we get the only F-bomb in the movie. Yeah. And from then he, Bodine. And then he apologizes like she has. Yes. <laughs> she, she's lived through all this stuff. And then he apologizes for dropping the F-bomb. It's pretty funny. You know, honestly, that's probably another reason why James Cameron was able to get it PG-13. The guy apologized yeah. for saying oh, the F-word. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's funny. <laughs> He's got the iceberg warning in his effing hand. Excuse me, his hand. <laughs> He gets ra- like he's frustrated. I like that because it's like he's fr- he gets still angry about this thing that could have been prevented like yep. decades ago. Yeah, like and it's it. kind of funny too because we were saying how these guys like don't necessarily care that much about everything that happened, mm-hmm. and so now it's almost like you see them getting real invested in the story now. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it, yeah, they are, especially like the next flash, the next uh, uh, cut out, present, yeah. present day shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And so, of course, so like Brock is just kind of saying what he knows about what's going on and how the ship's too big with too small a rudder and they think that anything big enough to sink the ship they're going to see in time to turn which i'm not so sh- i'm not sure if that's 100% true but i mean i think i would probably think that you know you think you're yeah. you know you're sailing this giant ship you're like ah anything that's going to take this thing out is going to have to be a monster and we'll be able to see that thing coming but then I guess there was the fo- like they couldn't see visibility was a problem or something. Yeah, you know? there was like later on they say that there was like no breaking water. Yeah, um, that's right. That's what it was at the yeah. base of the iceberg, so it was difficult to see. It was too calm then. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. Huh? You'd yeah. think you'd want that, but. And it was very, very dark. From what I've read, like, obviously the movie is well lit, so we can see what's going on at night, Um, but apparently it was close to being pitch black. Really? Just no stars or no moon moon out? I mean, I I think there were stars, But no moon, moon, though. It might have been, like, a a new moon, maybe? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there wasn't a moon. Yeah, that'll do it, for sure. Like, yeah, I've been stargazing with no moon, and it's... uh, a lot different than doing it with a moon out. Yeah, it gets pretty freaking dark. Like you can't see your hand in front of you. Yeah, I just looked it up again. It said the Titanic went down on a moonless night. Oh wow, then there you go. Crazy. Like again, with everything that happened with this sinking, like really a moonless night. This ship is gonna go down in the middle of the North Atlantic in like pitch blackness. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's it's that is horrifying. I think that's another reason why people are drawn to the Titanic's sinking because it was at night, no one was around. It, it's just like this eerie thing where there are yeah. other, sh- you know, shipwrecks that sank in midday, <laughs> you know, and people are just like, okay, <laughs> there's no mystery. <laughs> it's just kind of awful, but... Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, kind of gives a whole new... Because uh, even what we're watching isn't like... Because like, you can't convey pitch black tragedy on a, in a movie mm-hmm. so you have to have some light so it's kind of, you can't really see that I guess but you still feel it like even though everything's yeah. still well the lit silence, enough, like, right? yeah, yeah like when the lights go off for them like obviously it's still well, well lit enough for us to still see it yeah um, but we know that for them okay the lights just went out in the middle of nowhere at night like we still get that that would be horrifying yeah totally you know so yeah, so they're talking all about that and, you know, what's going on with the um, iceberg warnings and so it zooms back in and I love this fade too. It um, fades back into Rose's suite, the fireplace in her suite, um, fades in from the wreck to the set, mm-hmm. which is really cool and uh, so it's Jack and Rose walking into her suite. They're like giggly now. You know what I mean? It's like she's bringing him back to her suite. How did that work again? Right? I, yeah. I, I'm just so interested in the idea of them walking around the ship, getting to these places together. Like who? Someone had to see them. Yeah, they know people. I just imagine them like sneaking, like trying to find any way to like sneak. <laughs> so yeah, again, I think this is going back to... Um, to that idea of Rose being represented by two different people, like by old Rose and young Rose. So mm-hmm. once again, like in this cut, we see her and then she kind of like looks off to the camera again and zooms into her suite. Um, 
Yeah, so it's interesting. So she's, she brought him back to her suite, and I love the way she just asks, will this light do? I'm like, what were you planning on doing? Like, yeah. just because he's an artist, everywhere he goes, his eyes need to have good light. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, she was planning on this. Yeah. Yeah, especially like back then, like you didn't have a ton of lighting options. Yeah. Huh. Don't artists need good light? <laughs> I'm like, um... It's not a photographer. For what? Is it, are you, Unless you're planning for him to draw. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. I guess I didn't think of that, but yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that either. Huh. Yeah. And then he's like, that is true, but I'm not used to working in such horrible conditions. <laughs> when he goes, Monet, and she's like, oh, you know his work? Of course. And then I've heard people point out how they think it's dumb when he says, look at his use of color here. Isn't it great? And then he like show his hands like doing weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like they like they're like James Cameron. You should have looked into like a deeper art like word or something. Not yeah. just look at his use of color. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like a contrast maybe or, or like texture, texture, like something like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not bothered by it, but I've heard no, other people <laughs> point it out. So, of course, Rose mentions the safe and says, you know, Cal insists on carting this hideous thing everywhere. <laughs> Her little <laughs> vibrato. And she doesn't care that, like, she's opening it right in front of him. Like, she's like, I, because that's the whole thing. Like, I trust you. Like, you're not going to, yep. you're not into it for the money. Like, you don't care about that. Exactly. We had that I trust you moment in the flying scene. And now yeah. we're seeing that play out. <laughs> yeah, twice. Yeah, twice in this scene, he, the safe is kind of accessible. accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I love that, though. And then he's like, should we be expecting him anytime soon? Yeah, like, <laughs> like dang, like, this dude could come back any minute. or like Exactly! Even, yeah. I was like, this is so risky, especially because, you know, she just says, not as long as the cigars and brandy hold out. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you're putting a lot of faith in the fact that they'll have a lot and we'll stay. Yeah, yeah. especially, know? like, in the evening. It's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I mean, I guess she's used to the life. She knows how long they usually stay out. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than doing it in his room. <laughs> yeah. Not as not as pretty. <laughs> yeah. And not less crowded, I guess. Yeah. And so she just takes the diamond and shows it to him. And I love how naive he kind of feels in this scene where he's like, what is it, a sapphire? Yeah. Like he's like, oh, I know that I know stuff about gems, and then yep, he's like, oh yeah, what is this, a sapphire? Because <laughs> it's blue, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then a diamond, a very rare diamond, and it, it is kind of interesting the way like he's so looking at the necklace. Yeah, he's he's like examining this necklace for a long time. Yeah, he pulls out like a monocle or one of those like. <laughs> 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 Let me see. Yeah. You know, and of course, this is where she says the famous line. Yeah. You know, Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. And again, he's too bi- he's too preoccupied looking at the diamond. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, why am I here? First of all. <laughs> and she's like, wearing this. All right. Wearing only this. And then suddenly, that brought him out of the out of the trance of the diamond. And he's like, oh yikes. Okay. He's like, oh, we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then I, I I really like the shots where they show each of them sort of preparing for it. Mm. It's kind of nice. Like, like, you see her, like, looking at herself in the mirror or whatever, or, like, we assume she's looking at herself in the mirror, yeah. really committing to doing this. Like, this is a big thing for her to be doing in, for these, di- like, 
this in that time, time period yeah. you know interesting you almost like because obviously like later they get intimate but it almost makes you wonder if she wanted that in that Mm. moment too Mm -hmm. like if she was like i hoping this turns into something like that yeah but then he kind of stays back and he's like nah i'm I'm an artist you know professional yep uh, that's i love that about this um yeah but yeah i love it so like they make a point to show her take the butterfly clip out of her hair which obviously is that visual theme of her being set free and all that um so she takes the butterfly clip out and lets her hair fall down it's in slow motion and it's very dramatic but i love it like she's really committing she's like yeah i'm doing this right now this is my choice and then we see him setting up out there being a little nervous like moving the the little couch around to be like "Eh, is this good oh this is good okay um (laughs) And, you know, setting out all of his utensils and sharpening the charcoal pencil or whatever. And then she just comes walking through the doorway and starts doing the swinging of the tassel. <laughs> like a burlesque show. In his little face, he's just like smirking like, okay. Wow. And again, and yeah, again, it's just like, and it's amazing because, okay, yeah, fun fact, this was the first scene they filmed together. Oh, really? Um, you might have said that before but I didn't remember that mm -hmm. and so but I think that's perfect because this scene has like a palpable nervousness awkward nervous thing to it and I feel like that worked out for the best because they were genuinely feeling that way yeah and it's yeah it's just so funny how uh, apparently Leo said that like the first day they met because like obviously they met before they started shooting um, so like the first day they met and she knew that this scene was coming, she flashed him <laughs> like the first day they met. Oh so my gosh. Yeah. So she'd be like, okay, yeah, now we've, it's done. Yeah. Cause that's it. They, they ripped the bandaid off, I guess. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so, but, but you still definitely get that feeling, um, in this scene for sure. And yeah. I think it, it really worked out well. And uh, they're all, they're both kind of laughing about the whole thing because it's like, oh my God, (laughs) this is happening right now. Yeah. She says, the last thing I need is another picture of me looking like a porcelain doll. And then as a paying customer, and they zoom in and because earlier he said that he used to do portraits for 10 cents a piece. Yeah. And so now she, and that's cute too, because then that's showing that she was listening to everything he was saying. Yeah, it's true. You know, and so she gives him the dime and he laughs and... She's like, you know, I expect to get what I want. (laughs) And it's just dead silent except for like a clock ticking, I think. Yeah. And you just in like a fire, like the crackling of a fire, I think maybe. And you feel like you're in the room. Like you feel the tension. No, totally. And he's like, doesn't know where to look. Yep. He's like, do I look there or do I look there? Do I look there or there or there? (laughs) He's like, what does she want me to look at? Am I allowed yep. to look there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And you can tell, you know, he's he's genuinely nervous at first. He takes a deep breath, um, and then he's. It was a It was apparently a genuine flub from Leo when he said, "Over on the bed, the couch." Really? Yes. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Right. And so, and so James Cameron was like, okay, I'm keeping that though, because that is totally something Jack would do. Yeah. Can't think so. Yeah, definitely. I know. I love that though. Like everything was just so organic. I love stuff like that. Like kind of like impromptu or, you know, mistakes that are kept in. 
because mm-hmm. huh. you can't you couldn't you can't write that it's perfect like i yeah. thought like everyone who watches that thinks it was like a written joke or something yeah. but it was you just know. yeah nervous and it works perfectly it works really well yeah uh and so she sort of is nervous too and she's just you know laying down and then you know tell me when it looks right <laughs> you know and like as soon as she says that suddenly he's like okay professional time yeah you exactly know? he clicks on a switch and then yeah and he's like, okay, put your hand there, put your hand there. Yep, and he's just totally business about it. And, all right, now stay still, eyes to me. Time to do my job that you yeah. technically just paid me to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, you know, just like, you know, he's he's here to do what, you know, she asked of him. And she didn't ask for anything more than the drawing, you know. Yeah. And, um, and that's what he does. And I love, as well, when they you know, zoom in on Kate's face as she's laying there. Some of her facial acting is really subtle, but you can tell that she's really into this guy. And I think, like, especially with how he's handling the situation, right? The way he's not trying anything right now. Like, he's he's just drawing her the way she asked. And she knows that he's, in a way, like, admiring every inch of her through the process of doing this drawing, you know? And it's just like this and she's giving him an excuse to just look at every inch of her too (laughs) (laughs) yeah she kind of has like a smirk and she's like she tries to be flirty about it you know so serious yeah and i believe you are blushing mr big artiste i can't imagine monsieur monet blushing and then he does landscapes yeah i like that line actually (laughs) that was like that was my favorite line in the scene it's so good like that usually gets a laugh out of people in the theater yeah And then he's serious again. He's like, all right, like, no laughing, like, stay still. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, in in this book, again, um, there were some lines I really liked about the drawing. Do we ever find out, like, what happens to the drawing as far as in that moment? Like, how they, where they put it or anything like that? Yeah, he just, it's left there. Oh, and, oh, so they do put it in the safe. But isn't that Cal's safe, though? Yeah. So they just don't care. Because remember, because Rose put it in the safe as an FU. Oh, was that? Oh, that's right. Because she's choosing to leave. She chose to leave him now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board now. All right. Let's go. See, that's the thing too, right? So this whole thing was like premeditated by her. Like yeah. she got this idea and yeah. she was like, yeah, I'm into you. Yeah. I'm. You're going to do this. I'm going to leave it here. This is my little, <laughs> my little FU <laughs> to cow way out of here. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, so there's two other little excerpts I liked from this book. It says, um, it was sort of talking about how, you know, Rose is making these decisions and these choices and taking fate into her hands. And it says, she puts her fate into his hands. In parentheses, it says, he holds her so that she can have the experience of flying. And then takes it back into her hands, first by posing nude for him in her and her fiancé's cabin, and then escaping with him to the very bottom of the ship to make love. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just this interesting concept, again, of, because I think we mentioned it before, about how this is essentially a story about a woman and her journey, and yeah. this is part of all the choices she made and everything. And um, another thing here says... After all, in this movie, Kate makes a choice between the fiancé who wants to dominate her and the free artist who enables her liberation. Even the love scenes have a gentle and misty mutuality. Um, 
when Kate takes off her clothes, Leo draws her instead of assaulting her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, can you imagine it going down like that, though? But it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you're naked. It, but it's true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It says she does the initiating on her own time. Yeah, yeah. No, and she, Jack respects it, you know? Yeah. I, because I, I'd like to see him be like, oh, please, please put your clothes back on. I <laughs> But you know what I mean, though? Who knows? Like, today, you don't know. If someone did that, it would be like, yeah, forget the drawing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for all, but for all we know, she might have wanted that, too. I mean, in that moment, yeah. she might have wanted him to do that. Like, mm-hmm. she could have been like, this is, uh, you know. Yeah. And been like, this is what I wanted him to do. Who knows? But it almost seems like a test. That, oh, okay, yeah. You could see it like that, too. Like a test. Yeah, it's seeming like she's, like, testing the waters, and she sees that he's respecting her wishes, and she's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I really love, as well, the score here is just the solo piano version Mm -hmm. of the theme, and I think it's called The Portrait, uh, is the official name of the song. Yeah. And um, there was a great story about um, when James (laughs) Horner was coming up with that and sending the ideas to James Cameron. He sent me a cue... Uh, and and I, I misunderstood. I got it on a on a CD, and it just said scrawled on it said sketch. What he meant was that it was a sketch for a cue for some scene. I don't even remember what scene, but I thought it was the cue for the sketching scene, and it was solo piano. It was just James. Literally, he had just he had just done a, done a melody, and he just sketched it out on piano, and uh, I played it. I cued it up where the, the cue point was, and it didn't work. It was off. And so I slipped it around to, to a different cue point where there was a piano downbeat just on when Leo's eyes come up to, to, to look at Rose when he's drawing her uh, in this really tight close-up. And it really worked. It's like, wow, this is great. It must have been miscued on the way it was written down, but the, but the cue worked fantastically. So I, I called him up. I almost never did this. I called him up and I said, I just got this cue. It's fantastic. And he said, which cue? I said, sketch. It's fantastic. And he said, well, you know, I said, yeah, I put it up to picture. And when he's drawing, he said, what do you mean when he's drawing? I said, well, when he's drawing, he said, oh, no, no, it's not for the sketching scene. It's for another scene. I said, not anymore. And he said, no, no, you can't use that there. And I said, not only am I using it there, I'm using this recording. He said, that's me playing. He said, no, 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 I'll get so-and-so. Some, we'll fly so-and-so in from London to play, and it'll be, the intonation will be perfect. I said, no, we're using this. I want you to have played this song for the, or this cue for the movie. He said, but the playing's not even that great. And, and I said, it doesn't matter. It's a sketch. He's sketching. The roughness, the rawness of it, the, the heart in it is what makes it great. That's really cool. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be a raw, open, just solo piano moment. Yeah, I can't even imagine something bigger there. Yeah, no, it wouldn't wouldn't be right. Wouldn't work, yeah. No, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, there's the uh, common fun fact of it being James Cameron's hands and not Leo's hands doing the drawing. Oh, wow, okay. He drew the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's a good drawing. Yeah, he drew all of Jack's drawings, apparently. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you. That was one of my questions. I didn't know if you knew. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And so it is kind of funny, though, because if you look close at the hands, you can tell those are not the hands of a 20-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> like gray hairs on them and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
That's funny. That is funny. But yeah, this is another um, thing. Like, I think when we talked about with Liz about how, you know, when she saw it in the theater, no one told her to cover her eyes because it is this moment where you understand that it isn't going into something inappropriate. It really is just this moment and it's he's creating art in this moment and Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I think I I wrote in my notes I said it's beautiful not tacky (laughs) yeah yeah I mean yeah in in that yeah relatively right yeah it is Mm -hmm. and it's just then Jack realizes he never asked Rose how old she is oh (laughs) Oh, no stop stop (laughs) How old are you, by the way? I'm 16. Oh, oh, yikes. I gotta go. 17. <laughs> I know, I do always wonder why James Cameron didn't just make her 18. Yeah. To be right. safe. Maybe because, <laughs> like, maybe, like, because it wouldn't be as believable that she's, like, under the power of her mom and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Because it is kind of weird when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, because if she was 18, it would have been like, well, she's she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. I mean, were those the law back then, though? Like, was it... Probably. Also, like, I mean, how old is he supposed to be again in this? 20. Oh, yeah. So that's only two. It's only three years. Not that big deal. Yeah. Not, and back then, people did that kind of stuff. Like... I mean, Rose is freaking engaged to Cal, who's, like, 40. <laughs> that stuff didn't really... As Yeah, that stuff wasn't really... Uh, I mean, people didn't really care about that kind of stuff back in the early 1900s, I don't think. Yeah, like, that's crazy. If you were 25 dating, like, a 16-year-old, like, that probably happened all the time. Uh, Cal was 30. I just looked it up. Okay. Cal was supposed to be 30. (laughs) I said he was 40. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) he he might as well be. He looks 40. I mean, he's super, yeah, he's, like, super intense. I'm 30. 30? He definitely looks older than I do. Yeah. But, I mean, either way, there you go. He's at least, like, 13 years older than Rose or something. I feel like that was more common than... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it definitely was. Because, like, the whole, like, child childbearing age and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like, yeah, like the prime, yep. quote-unquote, prime age for childbearing. Yep. Physically, I guess. So, yeah, so basically they do another fade. They zoom into uh, young Rose's eye as she's, you know, laying there posing for the drawing and then do a, does a fade into old Rose's eye at the same exact angle, same everything. Again, those sorts of fades just highlight the passage of time and how I said before, how like the way people change over time, but like there's still the same people, you know, she still has mm-hmm. this memory. And that was another quote in this book. It says, Titanic squarely presents most of its action as a story told by a woman who invites her audience on the screen and in the theater to share her memory and thus to enter her mind. And I just really like that because, again, this is a mo- this is a big old blockbuster movie about this woman and, and her past and her memory. And I feel like, wait, I feel like there might have been another line here. Yes. Oh, yeah. In the illustrated screenplay. In, like, the actual scriptment, you know, the stuff James Cameron wrote to flesh out in between the mm-hmm. lines, you know. It says, it says, a tight shot on Jack. As his eyes come up to look at her over the top edge of his sketch pad, we have seen this image of him before in her memory. It is an image she will carry the rest of her life. Yeah. And then it says, despite his nervousness, he draws with sure strokes and what emerges is the best thing he's ever done. Her pose is languid, her hands beautiful, and her eyes radiate her energy. 
And yeah, I was just like reading those lines. I was like, why am I tearing up reading this right now? Like I really was. Now I can see it. This whole memory thing just really sends me spiraling. I don't know what it is. Just, you know, we have seen this image before in her memory. It is an image she will carry the rest of her life. And yeah. and we're seeing the moment now, you know? Yeah. Well, they say it's funny, like, you know how they say like when tragedy hits, like you remember mm-hmm. everything, like everything becomes more visceral in your memory and it's like locks it in forever. Yep. Um, even the stuff before. And it's funny because like mm-hmm. it just, it speaks to how our mind works as far as like say, like, because it's not just the moment of the tragedy. It's everything like in the, leading up to it. Leading remember. up to it and after. Yeah. And that's what's fun. What's funny. It's weird how your mind just chooses to it's like, OK, that was important. That was important. It's like picking things before and it's like locking all that stuff in even though the tragedy hasn't even struck yet and it's just interesting how our mind is super complex like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah and that's just something about it too you know who knows how long she had to pose for right so it's like she she spent a long time laying there and like taking him in and letting her mind race and you know and I can understand why you know that would really stay with her yeah. And yeah, so we get that fade out and then my heart was pounding the whole time. It was the most erotic moment of my life. And then they cut back to everyone just completely in a trance listening to this story. Yeah. Uh and then up until then at least. <laughs> Yikes. All right. I know. It's great and Bodine. So what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's great. I know the little old Rose. You mean, did we do it? (laughs) I can't deal with it. Uh, And then, of course, sorry to disappoint you, Mr. Bodine. Jack was very professional. Yeah. And, uh, but I love that too, because then it cuts back to, you know, Jack signing and dating the drawing, uh, which I love. Yeah, that's a cool, yeah. Like leaving the mark, and then, like, we have already seen the 84-year-old drawing, you know, at the beginning of the movie, and now we're seeing it totally fresh the moment it was done, you know, the moment it was signed, sealed, delivered, you know? That's cool. (laughs) It is. And then also the magnitude of the date that he's writing. Yeah, it was the day it sank, right? Or the day it started sinking. Yep, the day it hit the iceberg, you know? So to see him signing it, April 14th, 1912, and it's just like, we all know, like you know what I mean like they have no idea like yeah it's just this lovely moment this nice piece of art came out of it signing it so weird on a legendary day yeah it's weird it is I mean I was gonna wrap up the scene right here um before it cuts now into the chase with Lovejoy yeah but yeah so I think that'll just about do it for the drawing Excited to pick this back up again because there's a tail end bit to this scene a little bit. Um, and then going into the chase, which is so fun. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Send us an email, scene at gmail.com. Follow on all the socials, all that good stuff. And we will see you in the next scene. See ya.